0: Last week, we celebrated Easter. It's a day of new beginnings. But you know, for three days before Jesus rose from the dead, it seemed like everything was over. It seemed like it was it. It was done. It was over. Well, today, I want to start a new series of messages entitled, It's Not Over. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody watching this, I want you to look at them right now and, and say, It's not over. Would you do that? It's not over. For, for the next three or four weeks, I, I want to give you some words of encouragement Listen, if you've hit a dead end, if you've reached a point in your life where where you think that it's over, you think that there's nothing more that can be done, I want to tell you this morning and for the next few weeks that, that it's not over. Today's message is called, It's Not Over Even When It's Over. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. Paul writes this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. I'm just humbled to stand before you in this moment and be able to proclaim the truth of your word. And Lord, I I know that I am completely incapable of saying anything that's gonna make a lasting difference in anyone's life. But Lord, I also know that if you speak to us, Lord God, that those words will echo, echo throughout eternity. So Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us today. Speak to us deep in our innermost being, Lord God. Have your way in us. And Lord, I pray that when all is said and done, we will say on this day, surely I have heard from God today. And I thank you for it. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, normally you can see it, uh, you can see it when you look in their eyes. Their, their eyes are, are, are anxious or distant. Their eyes may, may be filled with tears. Maybe their eyes are puffy. Because of all the crying that they've been doing, but but you look at them and you understand when you look in their eyes, they think it's over. And if it's not in their eyes, then maybe it's the fact that their smile has been turned into a frown, or or maybe you see it in their slumped shoulders. You know, if any of you are like me and you enjoy watching sporting events, uh, you've seen it at the beginning of the game you know both teams are full of life and full of energy and, and, and but in those last few moments of the game when the, you can tell which team is winning and which team team is losing just by the way they carry themselves, by the look in their eyes, by their expressions, by the, by the way they, 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 they handle themselves, the way they walk. That Maybe it's the slump in their shoulders. There's still time on the clock maybe, but the body language is saying it's over, it's finished, we're done, it's through. Or maybe, maybe you've been in a place like that in your life where on the outside... It it, it looks like it's over. On the outside, it looks like it's wasting away. On the outside, it it looks like everything is finished, everything's done, everything's over. And and you say, I I think I'm washed up. I think my hope has run out. I'm at the end of my rope. See, listen, when we lose heart, then we think it's over. How many of you have ever been in that place before? If you've ever been there before, then give me an amen in the comments section. You know, John chapter 11 tells a story of someone who was there. It's actually a story of a group of people who thought it was over. It's a story of Lazarus, and it it takes up almost the entire chapter. And I want to walk through that story with you this morning. Lazarus, of course, is Jesus' friend. John 11, verse 1 says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now Jesus would go into Jerusalem from time to time during his ministry, during his teaching time here on this earth, and he would go in there to teach or or to take care of other kinds of business there. But whenever he would go to Jerusalem, he would normally stay in this little village outside the city of Jerusalem called Bethany, and he would stay with some friends named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, his friend, the Bible says, is sick. Let's read on, verse 2. This Mary... Whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now I don't know how he figured out he was sick. Maybe he developed a fever. Maybe he felt a lump somewhere. Maybe he started coughing and 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 that coughing started bringing up blood. and, And so he went to whatever doctor they had during that time and the doctor said, You're sick. And it doesn't look good. It looks like it's over. So he's lying on his deathbed. And Mary and Martha, they say to one another, they say the only hope we have left is to get to Jesus. The only hope we have left is to get to Jesus. Now, you, you, you know, this happens every single day. A doctor gives a bad report. Someone wakes up feeling differently. Somebody feels something in their body that they've never felt before. Somebody starts to cough up blood and, and, and or, or just begins to feel a little irregular. Something is off. Something is wrong. And the doctor t- runs the test and the doctor says it looks like it's over. That's what happened to Lazarus here. And his sister said, we have to get to Jesus because the reason they said that is because they had seen Jesus heal people before. And and they they had seen Jesus heal people whose faces he did not know and whose names he he did not know. And they had seen people uh, healed by Jesus who were sinners, who were far away from God. They had seen Jesus heal people. Even when somebody else came and said, I believe that you can heal my friend. Surely, Jesus, this is, this is the one whom you love. Will you come? Will you heal him? Surely he'll come for Lazarus. Follow along in the story. When you he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Notice for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus. But look at verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was, two more days. Now, do you find that odd? Don't you find that just really interesting? I find it intriguing that Jesus finds out that his friend, the one whom he loves is sick and he doesn't when he finds that out, he doesn't rush to his side. You know, listen, if a, if a close friend, someone that you love dearly, uh, gives you a phone call and, and you hear them say, I'm in the hospital, things are not looking good, I might die. You know, wouldn't you j- leave work? Wouldn't you just drop everything and rush to be by their side as quickly as you could? And yet Jesus stays where he was for two more days. Finally, after those two days, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, all right, let's, let's go back to Judea. Then Thomas, good old doubting Thomas, he says, well, let's just go so we can die with him. <laughs> he, said, he said, listen, if we're, if we're headed back there, we're headed back to our death. You know, how many of you know somebody like that? Somebody in your life? Do you have somebody in your life that just always sees the, the worst that can happen? I call them Eeyore Christians. You know, you you remember who Eeyore was, don't you? He was the the donkey that was a pessimist for Win, in Winnie the Pooh. You know, you walk up to an Eeyore Christian and and you say good morning. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, "Well, it's a morning." That's what they're going to say. Well, it's okay right now, but the sky's probably going to fall. That's that's an Eeyore Christian. And that, but but listen, Jesus. He looks at his disciples and looks at Thomas and he says, no, let's go, let's, let's head back. And they say, but, but Lord, a, a short time ago, the Jews there tried to kill you. They tried to stone you. Now you want to go back there? If you go back there, surely they're just going to be able to follow through on their plan. And Jesus says, listen, we have to go back. I'm needed. Lazarus needs me. And so they say, okay, let's go. And Jesus says to them, he says, our friend Lazarus, whom they already know has been sick, they heard the message when Jesus heard it. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going to go wake him up. Now listen, for some of you that are so uptight, I want you to understand that Jesus has a sense of humor. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus turns to his boys and he says, says, boys, uh, guess what? Lazarus has fallen asleep and now we're going to go wake him up. Now, they didn't get it either because they're uptight too. But, uh, but they're like, Jesus, if Lazarus has fallen asleep, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. He needs his rest. Why would we go wake him up? And Jesus began to be a lot more just blunt with them. He says, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he, then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, when they get back, verse 17, you see that we're told that Lazarus had been in the tomb, not one, not two, not three, but four days. Look at somebody in the room with you and say, four days. Why is that important? He had been in the room, in the tomb for four days. Why is that important? Why does the text even mention that? Well, one reason I believe is that Jesus Uh, That that Jesus hung around and and didn't go back to Bethany uh, right away was because there was a belief. Now it's not a biblical belief, but it was a belief among many of the Jewish people of the day that, that the spirit of a dead person hung around the tomb for three days. And so Jesus said, I'm not going to go back and we're going to just going to hang out here and we're not going to go back to Lazarus until the fourth day because when I raise him from the dead, I want everybody to know that his spirit was not hanging around the tomb waiting to come back into his body. I want them to know that, this, that he was good and dead and, and that this is an absolute miracle of God because I am the resurrection and I am the life. So Jesus lets Lazarus get good and dead. Now, of course, we know that he was, the the moment he, he, that, that he died, the moment he was dead, that his spirit was already gone, but Jesus de- delayed to make sure that everybody understood that this was an, a miracle of God. So, so they get back there to, to Bethany and many Jews had come out to their house as was their custom to, to mourn with Mary and Martha and to comfort them. But when Martha heard that That Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but but Mary stayed back at the house, stayed at home. Look at verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only, if only. Words of regret. Words of sorrow, you know, I mean, have you ever said that? Have you ever said, oh, if only, if only. Those are two of the most uh, haunting words in the entire English language. If only I had never started smoking. If if only I had, had just gone to the doctor. If, if only I had asked for forgiveness. If only I had offered forgiveness. If only... I had been around more when they were teenagers. If only I had seen what was happening before my marriage blew up. If only, if only, if only. Jesus, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. See, we, we get to the point of if only because we've lost heart. We, we think it's over. We think it's already done. We think that, that, that he's already dead. It's already been four days. We think that there's no hope. But here's what I want you to know this morning. You may find yourself in the place of if only, but there is somebody to whom you can bring your if only. Mary, Martha brought her if only to Jesus. And Jesus said, when you, when you bring your if only to Jesus, then he helps us understand that it's not over. So they talk about it. Martha's there and she's saying, oh, if only you'd been here, Jesus. If only you'd been here. Jesus says, Martha, your brother will rise again. She says, "I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I I get that. I know he will rise again in the resurrection someday." And he and Jesus says, "No, no, no, Martha, Mar- Martha, I, I, I am the resurrection." And she says, I know, I know he's going to rise again one day when all, all the rest of us rise again. And, and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're, you're missing what I'm trying to say here. You're not getting what I'm, what I'm trying to get across. He, he said, Martha, you are standing in front of the man who is the resurrection and the light. He was going back to the burning bush uh, with Moses and he says, I am, not, not I will be, not someday I will be, but, but I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Do you believe it, Martha? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who, is to, who has, has come into the world. And then she goes back to the house. Now it must have been a very troubling moment for Martha. She goes back into the house with all of the people that had come there to comfort her and 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 then you don't understand, you need to understand this is a Jewish group of people, and when the Bible says that they wept, it doesn't mean what we think it means because they didn't just shed a few tears and whimper a little bit. No, it, it was more like, whoa! I mean, it was just really uh weeping and mourning and wailing. Martha's Martha's house is getting all messed up, and you remember how, how important uh keeping house was to her. She liked keeping her house clean. In fact, I'm absolutely certain that Martha's last name was Stuart. Some of you will get that later. Uh, but, but it's there. It's, if you look at it, it's, it's in the Greek. It's deep in the Greek. That's her last name. I'm pretty sure it's there. But her house is just full of people, and they're weeping and wailing and crying and carrying on, and they're just, you know, snot flying everywhere, and they're, they're weeping and wailing, and Jesus sees them weeping, and, and he's troubled. And he says to them, he asks a question. He says, where have you laid him? They said, come and see And then in verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, it just says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. You know what, I I, I believe that Jesus didn't weep nice little American tears. I believe that Jesus, full of his Jewish nature, weeps and wails just buckets of grief. And, and you, you read that and you say, wait a minute, why, why is he crying? He, he, he knows that he's going to raise him from the dead. Why is he crying? Well, he's, he's weeping because he sees the pain and he sees the agony of Mary and, and of Martha and of all the other people who are there. You know, see, We forget Jesus is not only fully God, but he was fully man too. He felt what we felt. He experienced the pain. and You know, everybody's question is, is when I'm going through my stuff, when I'm I'm going through uh, my pain, where is God? And the answer is, he is weeping with you over your situation. You know, a few verses later, we find Jesus standing outside of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he's once again deeply moved. Jesus stood outside Jerusalem, and he wept, and he says, Jerusalem... Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you under my wing. You know, he says that to humanity today. Oh how I long to gather you to myself but you're but you're too addicted to your sin you're too addicted to your drugs you're too addicted to your your wrong choices you're 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 trying you you want everything right but you're going about it the wrong way and he says I long to pull you in and to help you you, you you're you're weeping because you think it's over but Jesus says I am the resurrection and I am the life and, and he says it's it, it, you can live if you believe in me He weeps today because there are so many who are not going to choose him. But he weeps over your situation. He weeps over your pain. He weeps over your suffering. Look at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. He says, take away the stone. How many of you ever watched Looney Tunes cartoons on a Saturday morning? You know what I'm talking about. Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, uh, Elmer Fudd, uh, in, uh, Sylvester the Cat, all these, these Saturday morning Looney Tune ca- cartoons. Well, you probably know this, but did you know that the guy who did most of the voices for those characters was a man named Mel Blanc? Now, Mel Blanc died in 1989, and they buried him in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Hollywood, California. And they like they like they normally do, they put up a, a grave marker at his grave. But do you know what it says on his grave marker? Take a look. It says, "That's all, folks. That's all, folks." I mean, isn't that the question we all have? We when we get to the the. the when we get to the tomb and Lazarus is dead and our, our, our dream is dead, our hope is dead, our relationship is dead, our finances are dead, our our faith is dead, and we, we look at it and we wonder, is that all, folks? Is that all? So they, they looked at the grave and they saw that Lazarus was dead and, they, and they, they said, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. And when they moved that stone away, I well, want you to know something, it was not a moment of hope, it was a moment of doubt. They didn't want to move it. They said, don't do that, Jesus. That's not a good idea. Don't move that stone. This was not a moment of hope for them. This was a moment of doubt. And and when they they rolled that that stone away, when they moved it out of the way, four days of stink came out of that grave because outwardly we are are wasting away. His body was decaying. His skin was deteriorating. The fluids were were seeping out of the body. The stench was setting in. This was not not a moment of faith when the stone was rolled away. This, This was reality smacking them in the face he's dead that's all folks verse 40 then jesus said did i not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of god so they took away the stone then jesus looked up and said father i thank you that you have heard me you remember two days earlier what was jesus doing well, he was doing some other business, taking care of whatever he needed to take care of wherever he was. But, 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 but what has he been doing now for the last two days? Mary and Martha think Jesus has been doing nothing but delaying. They thought nothing was happening, but, uh, you know, and, and many of you, you look at your life and wonder what Jesus has been doing, but for two days, uh, what, what was Jesus doing? He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He has been praying for the past two days for his friend Lazarus to come back to the life. Back to life. Now, Here's the word for you. When it doesn't look like God is doing anything, it's not over. When, when you can't trace God's Hand, you can still trust god's heart god's still at work on your behalf jesus has spent two days praying for his friend and he says this in verse 42 i i knew that you all i know i knew that you always hear me but i said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me when he had said this jesus called in a loud voice with the same voice that that that, that, that the same voice that, that calmed the waters, the same voice that stilled the winds, and he shouts out and he says, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, wouldn't you like to have been there? Wouldn't you, wouldn't it have been awesome to see that moment? Here comes Lazarus walking out of the grave, a dead man walking, his hands and feet are wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face, and Jesus just looks at the crowd as they're standing there with their, their, their mouth wide open, their jaw dropping to their chest, and, and he looks at them and he says, well, go take his grave clothes off and let him go. He says, don't, don't let him be bound up by all the stuff that, that, that held him yesterday. You need to let him know that there is a, a new life, that there is a fresh start, there's a new beginning. Unwrap him and let him go because he's free now. You know what? I, I have no doubt that That day and probably for weeks after, there was a huge celebration. I mean, Lazarus was alive again. But the the truth is there is a harsh reality behind all of it. The fact of the matter is that in the very next chapter, the Bible tells us that the the chief priests began trying to kill kill Lazarus. This is what it says. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. But guess what? Lazarus died again. I mean, isn't isn't that a horrible thought? He had to die twice. But here's what I know. Even though Lazarus died a second time, it still wasn't over. He had tasted the resurrection life of God. Now, now why is this story so important? Well, I think it's important for several reasons. First of all, it's important because Jesus was looking at what was about to happen to him. You know, it's it's important because, you know, we look and we see that Jesus rose on Easter. uh, He rose from the dead and we think that's wonderful and we think that's great because that's Jesus. But here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. It says, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The resurrection of dreams, the resurrection of hope, the resurrection of, of life isn't just for Jesus on Easter morning, but it's for you. It's for your marriage. It's for your relationship. It's for your finances. It's for your job. It's for your family. You know, everywhere... In your life where you think it's over. Jesus says it's not over. He says I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me shall not die. But shall live again. Because he lives. Your hope can come alive again too. You know what? I, I'm an optimistic guy. Always been that way. But sometimes optimism runs out. What we need instead of optimism is hope. Optimism is a belief that circumstances are going get, to get better. You know what happened with Lazarus? You could be optimistic all you want, but it got worse. Lazarus died. Optimism fixes its eyes on what is seen, and therefore. Optimism stands on pretty shaky ground. Hope, however, is the conviction that there is another reality, there is another kingdom, and and that it it exists right now, it has always existed, will always exist throughout all of eternity, and that it's doing very, very, very well right now, and it will prevail. That's hope. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. I want to show you a picture this morning of a painting. This painting is called Checkmate. The person on the left represents the devil. And the person on the right represents a a mortal human being. And and, uh, and, and in in this situation, in this painting, the devil has the human in Checkmate. Now, there's a story, apocryphal or not i, I don 't know, but I know the principle is true, but the story says that two men were uh, were looking at this painting in the museum one day and and as they were looking at the painting, one of the men said, "You know what, I was a pretty good chess player, I was kind of a chess champion in my school in my younger days, and this painting is really interesting to me i 'm going to stay here and look at this. You go ahead and go and look at other things, but I just want to stay here and, and study this and so After some time, as he stood there looking at that painting, analyzing it, uh, what was going on in the painting, and his friend eventually came back to to see him, and he he looked at his friend, and he says, we need to go talk to somebody right now. And his friend said, why do we need to talk to somebody? And he said, well, we need to talk to somebody because they need to either repaint this painting or they need to rename the painting. Remember, the painting is called Checkmate. Checkmate. How many of you know that when you're, when you're in checkmate, when you're playing chess, it means that the king has been defeated. It means that the king has no more moves in that game. And, and this young man looked at his friend, he says, as I look at this painting, I notice that there is an error in the painting. It cannot be called checkmate because, and when I look at this painting, I see that the king has one more move. The king has one more move. You know what? I'm here to tell you that the devil looked looked uh, into that tomb on that Easter morning and he wrote checkmate over the tomb. But here, here's what the Lord said. The Lord said the king has one more move. When David uh, came up against Goliath, it looked like, like David was in checkmate. Goliath was wearing a 52 long and David was wearing a 32 short. But I'm here to tell you today, the king had one more move. When Daniel went into that lion's den and it looked like he was about to be kitty chow, the, 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 it looked like he wasn't coming out again in the morning. But the but the Lord put those cats on a, on a low protein diet because the king had one more move. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to a false god for the sake of safety and convenience. It looked like they were about to be Memphis barbecue. But you know what? The king had one more move. When Moses was being chased by Pharaoh and he was moving out of Egypt with the children of Israel and the Red Sea was on one side of them and Pharaoh's army was on the other side of them, the devil wrote checkmate over the people of God. But I'm here to tell you, the king had one more move and on this Sunday morning you need to know that no matter how bad you think your life is no matter matter how hard the devil has been trying to destroy you don't give up and don't lose heart because the king has one more move hallelujah hallelujah listen the king has one more move And just like he saved the day on that resurrection morning, he can save the day in your life as well. The King has one more move. I want your heart to be filled with hope on this day. I want you to know that no matter what the circumstances may look like, maybe you've lost your job because of everything that's going on with COVID-19. Maybe you don't know how you're going to be able to pay your bills. Maybe someone you love is sick and you don't know what's going to happen. I'm here to tell you there is hope because the king has one more move because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that we have hope because of Jesus. If that's where you are today, if you find yourself in a place where you, you feel... You've been thinking, I have no hope. There's there's nothing else I can do. It's over. I'm here to tell you today, it's not over. It's not over. Even when when it's over, even when all the circumstances say it's over, it's not over. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, that because of Jesus, we know that we have hope. We have a hope that goes beyond our present circumstances. And we know, Lord God, that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what circumstances in which we find ourselves, God, we know that you have another move, that there's something that you can do that we could never see coming. Those people on that day could could never have foreseen the, the, the moment when Jesus called Lazarus out of that grave. But God, uh, and in our lives, we think it's over, but we can't see what you're about to do. But we do know this, that you have another move that goes beyond our comprehension. Lord, for those that are hurting, the, those that have, are, have about, are about to give up hope, or those that have already given up Given up hope, I pray, God, that in Jesus' name that you would let faith begin to arise in their hearts right now at this very moment. And, God, that in Jesus' name that your spirit would fill the room where they're sitting or, or the car where they're sitting or wherever they are watching this or listening to this. And, God, I pray that that faith would begin to rise and they'd say, I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that no matter what look it looks like in my life, no matter what is happening, no matter what has gone on, I know that it's not over. And God, I pray that you would strengthen their hearts, that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would give them the strength to face another day. And Lord, I I just thank you for what you're going to do. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody that's watching this, that they don't even know you, you have been longing to gather them in. And I pray, Lord, that for that one that may be watching and the life is falling apart, and maybe they're watching this out of a sense of desperation, but God, I pray that today, today would be the day that they would turn to you and say Lord I give myself to you I trust you you are my hope not my job not my bank account not my friends not my family just you and I thank you for all that you're going to do in the strong name of Jesus I pray amen